There's a little toe-tapping music to try and cheer up your Saturday morning. Uh, I love getting the emails we get at the office. You know, there are a lot of you that are undergoing high levels of anxiety based on the news that we hear day in and day out. And you find Rosie on the House Saturday mornings kind of that downtime, the happy place, the point of refreshment. And that's exactly what we try and be for all of you, every Arizona homeowner. Got this really sweet note from some good friends up in Prescott Valley we've known for a lot of years. I quote, he says, congratulations on your 30th anniversary. A lot of work balanced with laughs is what made the show a great success. Add to this, your honesty and dedication to help others is why your entire life has been so successful. I've spent over 3,000 hours listening to you on Saturday morning, and I can say, sorry, Sandy, I can't do it now. Rosie's on. (laughs) So he uses us as his Saturday morning excuse to recharge, refresh, and rest. You think that's an accurate number, 3,000? Really? Well, I originally met this man about 1984. And so it was, possible. and I believe it was the summer of 1985. We actually, you may remember this. We, me and Jake Gunther and his crew and Larry Schelling, we would drive up on Friday I do nights, remember. and yes. we would frame his house right across the street from what's now Mortimer's Farm, but at that time was Young's Farm. But we spent several weekends up there framing his home. So appreciate the sweet note. That's that's what we're here for is to lift you up, melt away your anxieties, primarily as it relates to homeownership issues, but also as it relates to life in general. Now, this hour, you've heard the expression 10 pounds in a five pound bag, right? Well, we've got two hours of information packed into one hour of broadcasting. So we're going to get right to it. We're on the topic this morning of living in place. Historically, it's been known as aging in place. It's, you know, uh, complemented by universal design and what you can do to stay in the home of your choice. It's the number one remodeling request we get at Rosie on the House. What can we do with this home either to bring mom or dad home? How can we take the two hall bedrooms and convert it to a secondary master suite with a bathroom? Or how do we build a casita in the backyard? Or where do we put them? Number one request we get is how do we accommodate returning mom or dad to the property? Or I'm going to stay in this house forever. What do we have to do to make it safe, secure, and comfortable to accomplish that? So that's what we're dealing with. So we figured we would take the entire show today and dedicate it to living in place. And we've invited several people here to enter the studio. We have Miss Donna Taylor, Chief Operating Officer of Lifestream Complete Senior Living uh, Facilities, located right here in Maricopa County. Donna, thanks for coming in. Good morning. All right. So we're going to have Donna be chiming in. But we also pre-recorded interview with two of Jennifer and I's closest friends. Gary, let's start with that interview. And we've invited two of our most forward-thinking, closest friends to join us on the conversation, just as we told you they would be joining us in the last segment. I'd like all of Arizona to meet John and Meg Smeck. Good morning. Good morning, Rosie. Thanks a million for joining us in studio here this morning. Great to be here. All right, so Jennifer has just gotten her certified living-in-place 
certificate. So now she knows how to ask people the right questions for those that want to live in place. And in our remodeling experience over the last couple of years, it's not even close. The number one thing we're asked to do is, Rosie, come look at the house. Tell me what I have to do to get mom or dad here. How do I convert the two hall bedrooms into one master suite? How do I build a casita in the backyard? How do I get them into an environment they're comfortable with that they can stay here? And recently, folks, we were at dinner with the Smacks, and uh, which we don't do often enough, by the way. I agree. Um, and y'all have what I would consider a really a very forward-thinking perspective on your two life plans as it relates to this. John, explain to us a little bit about how you came to that, both through your involvement professionally in the industry and then your personal story. Sure. Well, um, I had a first look at senior housing through my business career, which is mortgage banking. We do um, quite a bit of financing of senior housing. And so I got a a new look at uh, the industry about what is available in senior housing. And it, it looks much different today than it did, say, 40, 50 years ago. And so uh, I had that perspective of, of seeing how the industry's evolved uh, over the years. And then my parents, uh, my two sisters and I, needed to care for our aging parents and, and had to uh, look at their home and how to make that uh, more accessible, safer, that sort of thing. And y'all had to do that over a, a bit of geography. You're in Phoenix. You bet. Sister in Nashville. Right, one in Nashville mm-hmm. and uh, one in Lake Charles. And one in Lake so, Charles, and the parents were in Houston. Right, right. So it would have been great, Jennifer, to have had an expert come in and help us look at that and um, help us know the questions to ask. But we uh, we needed to prepare the house better for mom and dad to live there. And then as their needs increased, we needed to look at um, – uh, other options that we have. And, and that process, my familiarity with the changes in the industry and the facilities that are provided today and the process that Meg and I went through to care for my parents really informed us on, on how we're going to plan to um, to age in place and then um, uh, join a, a community. Talk, talk about that, Meg. So y'all have decided that there's going to be some point in time you'll vacate whatever nest or crib you're currently in and and actually, by choice, move into one of these communities that allows you to age in place. And that's exactly right. We have four children, grown children now. But this experience that we've been through really encouraged us to be proactive when our time comes. I guess there's a little subjectivity on when the time comes, but for sure we want to be um, in the driver's seat making that choice, not only for John and I for the quality of our life as we get older, but as importantly so that our kids really aren't confronted with making that choice when we're not in a position to do it. All right. Those are good friends of Jennifer and I's, John and Meg Smeck, who agreed to be interviewed. Uh, they were unable to actually be here in studio today, but they have recently lived through the death 
of John's mom and dad within about a year of each other, and what it took for the long-distance children to get back to home on a rotating basis to take care of their parents because his dad is much like me. Uh, I'm, I'm going... I'm going to have my perfect house built here in about 10 years, and, and it's going to be the house they roll me out of. Uh, I, I, I haven't found a facility yet that will let me bring my German short hairs and my uh, Tennessee walkers. I, I did find a loft apartment in Scottsdale, but they wouldn't give me an equestrian elevator. <laughs> So we're here with Donna Taylor from the Chief Operating Officer for Lifestream Complete Senior Living. And, and Donna, growing up in the 60s, I had two relatives in the old folks home. And this is South Louisiana. And anytime I wanted to hear stories about the late 1800s, or early 1900s, I would buy a six-pack of cold Schlitz beer and buy two pounds of boudin or fried chicken, and I had to sneak it in to my great uncle's room, and he would sit there and visit with me for hours. But that room was his entire world. They have really changed the industry. We have, and that's the that's one thing that we can be so proud of is that um, I, like you, Rosie, have a great, a, a not good memory of when my grandfather was in a nursing home, and that was my first and only lasting memory of my grandfather was that scary place where it seemed that old people had been taken there to die and that they were reaching out because they were lonely and they were sad. And the world has changed so much, and rightfully so, that we have said that's not okay. That's not an okay way for anybody to have to live. We wouldn't do it to really anybody. You wouldn't do that. And so the retirement communities have evolved so much to be so much more than just the home. And you heard John and Meg in that interview talk a little bit about the plans that they were making about retirement communities. And now we have so much more choice. And retirement communities now start with this concept called independent living. And they are exactly what that sounds like. It's a place where you live independently the life that you've chosen to live. Now, I don't know about your dogs, but I um, certainly can multiple, talk. Multiple. Not, and it, not lap dogs. Multiple <laughs> German short hairs. High energy. So independent living may be a little challenging for those dogs, but you've already said that you plan to be living in a cabin somewhere. And so independent living in a retirement community is exactly what it sounds like. It's independent and you can do life the way you want to do life. But it brings around you the services that you may or may not need today, but that you certainly might need tomorrow. Things like transportation, dining services, activities that would enrich your life, the opportunities to socialize and engage with other people and how important that is. What y'all have, what y'all have introduced for that demographic is purpose. And that and that's what my aging relatives never had in the old places. They were moved there for a very morbid excuse and reason, and they knew it, and they had lost their purpose. Now that goes for all of my relatives, Gary, except my grandfather's brother, Pianc, who ended up in a nursing home in North Lafayette, 
And he thought it was a dating club. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Uncle Piank. He, <laughs> he thought it he was, was a great, He thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, this is wonderful. Why didn't, girls we, loved it. why didn't I end up here a long time ago? We're here with Donna Taylor, Chief Operating Officer of Lifestream Complete Senior Living Facilities here in the Phoenix area, as well as going to return back to an interview with our close friends, John and Meg Smack, talking about keeping the options for living independently. Oh, that sounds good, Gary. That's some good smiling, toe-tapping, finger-picking. That's awesome. That sounds wonderful. We're here at Rosie on the House talking about independent living with Donna Taylor, Chief Operating Officer of Lifestream Complete Senior Living Services and Facilities. And we're kind of barging in on an interview we had earlier this week with two of Jennifer and I's closest friends, John and Meg Smeck. Let's go back to that interview section. We'll come back with Donna's comments. I think that's really the forward thinking part is thinking about their kids. It's, it's something to think about for sure. I'm, I have been busy thinking about how we were going to stay in our house. You know, just as far as cleaning things out, going down to bare bones, making sure things work, making sure that it's safe. When you look at a house in that perspective, you're thinking, no matter what the issues are with anyone aging, the biggest thing you want to do is keep them from falling. Because falling is is just not a good thing and often ends, does not end well. So you want to make the house safe for not falling. So that, that was kind of as far as I had gotten, just thinking... You know, let's just make sure we don't leave a bunch of stuff for our kids to have to sort through that we think is special, but they don't care about. <laughs> and and this is a part of us getting to a point where we sold our home several years ago in an effort to begin this downsizing process. Um, going and prior through, to selling the house, Big, y'all had been in the home how long? Well, it was our growing up home for our kids. And 20 our, years. Yeah. 20 years. And I when bet. our last one went to college, <laughs> even actually before he was in college, we started saying, well, we've had the blessing of this house for the growing up time of our kids, but we sure don't need this many bedrooms, this much upkeep, this big of a yard. Let's downsize. So that process is kind of the front end of where we ultimately view will be when we're probably what John in our early to mid seventies, mid seventies probably guess, yeah. based on health and and, and, and other I think factors. I think most people would agree that in terms of affordability, staying in your own home is the best option uh, in terms of affordability. So making the changes that you need to make to stay in your home is clearly, um, uh, I, I think most would agree, the best economics. But as an aging person's needs increase. Um, you know, the agony for my two sisters and me and our spouses was the dilemma really was, do we honor our parents' wishes or do we do what's best for them? Oh boy. That's, <laughs> that was a tough one, huh? Yeah. But one of the three of you were virtually on the road constantly going to or from Houston at one time. We tried to rotate in every week. Yeah. Yeah. Just to help make those decisions about living in place, first of all, and then, you know, um, looking after them after they moved into a community that better served the, the, the needs that they have as they increased. Well, and I think that there you're hitting on another basic 
uh, new whole entire industry that Jennifer has stumbled on. Who who is this individual that charges a flat fee for life? To do everything for you in your house, except what does he not it's do? A, it's a secondary insurance. I don't, I don't know enough about it to speak about it. Okay. But I, I think for what John's talking about, it's just kind of a, a delicate balance. You want to be home as long as you can, but how do you pull the trigger before it's too late for you to know that you need to pull the trigger? Right? And, so and we're not to sure. keep your kids from having to, to do that for you. Exactly. I mean, Meg and I have made this decision so that we can remove our children from having to make a decision. It was tough on my sisters and me and our spouses, and so we're just trying to take that decision away from them. And I'll tell you the key, if you could assess it yourself, the trigger point is really um, when, when people become less mobile. And boy, that's a big trigger. Ms. Donna Taylor, Chief Operating Officer of LifeStream Complete Senior Living. Give us your comments on this interview from John and Meg. The the I think them taking the decision out of their kids' hands is that I would have never even thought to do that. It's pretty gracious. <laughs> I love well, we would love to have lots of John and Megs come to our door. And what I would say is that they are probably in the minority of people who are driving that bus. But Meg said, we wanted to be in the driver's seat. And don't they have an amazing perspective of having just gone through that with their parents? A couple of things that come to mind, they were talking about creating a safe place for our parents. And I think for all of us, if with aging parents, that's what we would say is we'd like to bubble wrap our parents and make sure that they're safe. But there's dignity in risk and there's dignity in choice. And as adult children, the obligation to respect what our parents are asking us to do. Now, certainly a caveat is if there's a a neglect or an abuse situation happening, obviously we would need to step in at that point. But all of us want to have choice. And I think it's critical to make sure that we have offered our parents that same level of dignity that they can choose the risk. Awesome. A whole new level of professionalism in the industry with Donna Taylor, Chief Operating Officer of Lifestream Complete Senior Living. We'll be coming back with a whole lot more. Don't y'all go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss what we're coming back with. Everybody's got a personal definition of independent living. We've kind of migrated to this topic, and Jennifer's, now that the kids are gone, uh, it's become a real passion of hers, and like I say, everyone has their own personal definition of independence, and you're dealing with the issue with your folks. I'm dealing with the issue with my mom, who sits at the front door of her house with a loaded shotgun and says, if you come here to help me, I'm going to blow your tires out. She she doesn't want any help. She said, don't bring any food over to this house. Don't bring any food over. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of a she's hard. Ad, she's admirable. She's she she's kind of an admirable, highly uh, functioning, uh, strong, hard headed old Cajun. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm going to be there. I think I think I'm going to be in my mountain cabin, and I'm going to have ten cords of wood delivered every. July. Will I be there? And I'm going to, I hope so. And I'm going to have my double headed axe. And I'm just going to, my purpose is going to be chopping firewood for everybody in the neighborhood. I'm just going to be chopping firewood and walking and hiking with my dogs and riding my horses. 
Well, hopefully your children, actually, you're, you're saying it right here out loud on the radio. So hopefully your children are also aware of what your wishes are so that they can be as honoring as possible. What I would say, though, is to the adult children, if you don't know that that's what your mom or dad wants, be sure that we're having that conversation. And I, what I would say to a senior is if your kids are too afraid to come and have that conversation with you let's start that conversation so that they know what your wishes are well in advance and if you want to be chopping wood out in a cabin then let's have a conversation about how we make that happen effectively the numbers the numbers are just completely overwhelming what this is going to be doing for the next two decades well, as we watch that silver tsunami coming because of aging baby boomers, it truly is this next thing that's coming. And we in the industry are getting prepared for it. I know that I, I listen often enough to know that you talk about this idea of living in place. And I know Jennifer has some great insight to offer about that as well. Well, with, I love that term, the gray tsunami, you know, um, and we all hope we're blessed with good enough health to be able to chop wood. But I this class I took on uh, the certification class on living in place, they had us do this exercise and I've brought in three pairs of glasses and um, they're like the hex armor kind of glasses and they've painted them up so that you, you kind of get the feel of what it's like to have diabetes, the spotted vision or the macular degeneration where you just have the pinhole or glaucoma where it's like cloudy. And that, so one of the exercises for lunch one day, we had to put on, pick a pair of the glasses and then they put popsicle sticks on our hands and taped our fingers together, kind of to mimic arthritis, you know. So basically, you're kind of walking around in the dark, you're disoriented, you can't see, and then your hands aren't working, you've got to open packages. And, you know, I, I was like, I don't know that I'd fix my meal very often if I had to do this, because it's, it's just too much work, and then trying to get it in your mouth, you know. So it's, you know, it, it's very, very challenging to be um, disabled like that. And, and what it does for us is it just creates a very small world because I, I know that if my vision was like that, I know I wouldn't be getting out and driving. And I watched that happen with my own parents who aged, quite honestly, much too quickly because of some health issues that they had. And their world became very small. It became just their little town home and they stayed there and my dad was having more and more difficulty driving and for us that was actually where we had to start our conversation was we had to go and say hey dad you've taught us to be honoring and respectful and to care about you that's that came from your teaching and we had to go to my dad and say what does this look like to stop driving and that was a terrible conversation to have to have because he driving marks independence mm-hmm. for us. I mean, that is one of the things that each of us says, gosh, I can get out and go where I want to go. But we were already watching it happen. And so we went and said, what does it look like for you to stop driving? And he said, okay, I'll acknowledge I'm afraid too. And so this is an important thing for us to think about. Wow. But how in the world do we do life? How do we go to the doctor? How do we get groceries? How do we pick up our prescriptions? How do I keep going to church? Because that's how I connect with the outside world. If you take my car away, how does that work? Absolutely. It's the, it's the, it's the concept of a shrinking world. Gary, let's return back to the interview with the Smecks here and hear their personal story about how they saw their parents' world shrinking and shrinking. Exactly. I mean, Meg and I have made this decision so that we can remove our children from having to make a decision. It was 
tough on my sisters and me and our spouses. And so we're just trying to take that decision away from them. And I'll tell you the key, if you could assess it yourself, the trigger point is really um, when, when people become less mobile and more and more shut in, they lose that daily interaction, socialization that they've had all their lives. And, and I can tell you from observing my parents, and Meg would echo this, that their decline physically and mentally accelerated as their world got smaller and smaller. And so the best thing we could have done was put them in a community where they had daily um, variable interaction, interaction conversation, socialization, stimulation. Um, that, that would have been the very best thing for them. Uh, but, but that's not what they wanted to do. So we ended up having to split them up. Dad's needs required full-time assisted living and and mom decided to remain at home so well jen i didn't mean to put you on the spot about that service but i mean it goes back to what we were doing back in the 90s we actually had couples from church young married couples from church and we had remodeling clients that would say that would live here part-time but their parents were in sun city Mm -hmm. and they would actually pay us to send this couple to sun city and we basically would do anything they wanted except dispense medicine. Mm-hmm. We would stop at Walgreens and pick the medicine up. We'd flip their mattresses. We'd pull the dryer out. We'd clean the, you know, we'd, we'd do the grocery shopping. We'd comb her hair, whatever it was they wanted done. And this new service is like takes that to the next level where you pay a one-time lifetime fee for having virtually everything taken care of for you by mm-hmm. a trained attendant – uh, and that that's I think that's going to be hugely growing for those that are committed to staying in their home. You have any experience with any of those? I mean, y'all had y'all had caretakers for your folks for a little while at the house, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, we and and continue to have twenty four seven care for mom when she remained in the home. Um, I, I haven't had any direct experience with services um, other than you know employment services that provide that sort of care but there's a friend of mine uh, Rosie I was telling you about in in Prescott Valley that's experimenting with having volunteers to go and provide those services and they're essentially banking uh, hours of service so that when as they age and they need those same services then you know the community is going to come provide those to them on a volunteer basis just as they provided the services when they were you know, they um, redeem their hours exactly. with the next generation of volunteers that are coming up through the ranks. There's so what much, an incredible concept. There's so much uh, opportunity for creativity and innovation in senior housing. The facilities today are so much different than the old nursing home that uh, your parents and my parents uh, grew up knowing and, and visiting. Uh, the location is, as you know, is not Sun City anymore. It's right. the, the middle of, of the action. Uh, my my desire too is to build out just resources for the elderly because it's also a prime time for um, being taken advantage of, which is hard to believe people do that, but they do. Boy, so, do they! Well, John and Meg, I can't thank you enough for coming in and just sharing your personal story, your professional experience in the industry, and what y'all's personal plans are. Because, like I say, I think it's very forward thinking. Thanks a million for coming in. Happy to be here. There you go, John and Meg Smack, talking about taking 
the burden off of their kids and making the decisions early on. We have here in studio this morning Mrs. Donna Taylor, Chief Operating Officer of Livestream Complete Senior Living Facilities and Services. Donna, I, I think, like you say, that's a, a pretty forward-thinking situation. Can we talk a little bit about the expense? Because at, at, John talks about the expense of staying at home, but boy, that really ramps up as the needs increase, doesn't it? It does. Caregiving services can run, uh, I'm not in that business, but they can run anywhere from 20 to 25 to upwards to $30 an hour. And typically they're going to have minimum charges. And so as you start talking about it's more affordable to stay at home, I think that the first answer is yes, that's probable that it's more affordable to stay at home. But there comes a point when it's not affordable any longer and you need those services like Livestream offers assisted living or skilled nursing. Or if there's dementia or Alzheimer's happening, then the memory support and then it does become cost prohibitive. And there comes a balance point for that that I think you have to ask, are we really doing our very best by staying at home or could we go to a community that offers the services that we need and re-expands that world that we were talking about. We were saying the world shrinks. Well, living in a community then re-expands that world and you have access to services that you need, transportation and food. And Because if you're not cooking anymore, you don't feel good. Jennifer talked about how the vision changes our even our ability to cook and those services become available. And then you're also, while you're sitting dining, you're socializing with people and our world becomes so much bigger once again, which we know for health and well-being is a good thing. I wanted you just to explain a little bit about the, the home for dementia. What do you call that? That part of your facility? Livestream has um, greenhouse homes, and they have nothing to do with the gardening hour type greenhouse homes at all. They are small houses, that, well, not small by most standards. They're 7,000 square foot homes that have 10 private bedrooms and bathrooms for elders, and they are primarily designed for elders living with dementia, but we also provide just straight up assisted living in those homes. And they are our home. They have a beautiful kitchen that is accessible to the elders who live in that house. The thing I liked about them was um, all the rooms open out into this big area. So there's not hallways. You're not stuck down at the end of the hall. Everybody dines together. The kitchen's kind of open. You've, and everybody brings their own chair. So all these little chairs were lined up in front of the TV. But it's just very um, welcoming. Uh, I felt very comfortable walking in. The people obviously were having a good time. They're eating together at the table. You can be with your loved one. So I just thought it was a great setup, great concept. It's a beautiful concept that was designed specifically to deinstitutionalize the way that we care for elders. And it has all of those things we've talked about, elders uh, needing the dignity of risk, the power of normal. How, what's more normal than sitting down for a meal with in the company of friends and family? That's completely normal. And whether you have dementia or not, that is a normal experience that we all need. And that contributes not only to our health, where you're still getting those health services like medication management and support for personal hygiene, but you're also getting the socialization and the um, power of choice that 
um, leads to better well-being. It reintroduces purpose. And, you know, I have a, a good friend from eastern Alberta, and he has, he cites a Canadian study that says when the farmers sell the farm and move in town, their life expectancy is 14 months. <laughs> so they lose their purpose. So y'all's facilities allow people to not only pursue discoveries and passions that they've had their whole life, but rediscover new areas of purpose and significance and uh for my mom it's volunteering i mean she loves going to the hospital she just reads to patients and uh, for a while there she was massaging patients but the hospitals actually came to her and says no more touching no more massaging you can't do that And, and it broke her heart because that was one of the most gratifying things the people experience they they would just thank her look forward to her visits every every day so not losing your purpose that's the takeaway from rosie on the house today we'll be back with mrs donna taylor chief operating officer of the Lifestream complete senior living facilities our goal our intent our vision and our passion at rosie on the house is to become every arizona homeowner's best friend We do that by providing you four hours of information. Just one of the things we do is provide you a four-hour information session every single Saturday morning. And this morning, we're talking about something that has really uh, captivated Jennifer's purpose and passion in life. And she feels absolutely committed to developing an entire resource uh, and you're, you're, you're reaching out to Foundation for Senior Living, St. Vincent de Paul, um, going out and getting your own CLIP certification, just everything and all things related to the, what did you call it, the Silver Tsunami? tsunami. Silver Tsunami. Silver Tsunami. And it's coming. It's coming. It's 400 people an hour turn 65 10,000 uh, 10, people a day 300,000 a month three three four four million a year so it is coming and I was re- recently in Minneapolis at a housing summit and they said listen all you remodelers there's two things you need to know you've got this aging baby boomer population that generally has disposable income and wants to do something to their house or you've got the younger generation just barely moving out of the parents' house that have no money. <laughs> you know, and we won't, we won't be able to cover the whole scope, right. though we're trying today, aren't we? We but, are. But, and I'm, so I'm building out the next shows as we speak and yeah. things. People have called in and had a couple things to say. Uh, Roman came in to tell us one uh, lady said that, what if you what outlive, if you outlive your, your, your ch- children? Yeah. yeah. Tough, so, tough, tough. And, and well, then there was one, one other thing you don't even want to think about, right? No, no. And then also the, the challenge of not being able to hear them. We'll maybe can talk about solutions. Huh? <laughs> I almost fell for it. Roman. Let's let's give Mrs. Donna Taylor, who is the chief operating officer of LifeStream Complete Senior Living Facilities, an opportunity to tell us a little bit about what you've been sharing your expertise here. Tell us a little bit about where you work. LifeStream Complete Senior Living. We've been in the Valley for forty years. We were formerly called Arizona Baptist Retirement Centers. We did not change ownership or anything like that. We're actually a nonprofit organization 
that and faith-based that provides senior housing and services here in the Valley. We have four locations, primarily on the west side, but we have one in Northeast Phoenix, one in Glendale, one in Surprise, and one in Youngtown Sun City. And we have a passion for enriching the lives of seniors by providing compassionate care and community for them. That's awesome. And what would you like the listeners' takeaways to be real quick from today's broadcast? Have a plan, communicate a plan, and if you need it, come along, bring alongside a trusted advisor who can help you make wise decisions and honor choice. Don't ever give up your passions or your purpose, wherever you are, wherever you go. I will post on Facebook, Donna, because on your website, you also have a wonderful document on, what's the title of the document? Just It's a senior care checklist, and it's a really helpful tool to just walk you through some ideas and thoughts about when is it time to start having that conversation. And you can find it on our website at livestreamliving.com. Or you can give Kimberly a call at 623 512-4567, and she'll be happy to shoot that out to you as well. Livestreamliving.com. There you go. Mrs. Donna Taylor, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your personal time on a weekend to come in and join us to share your expertise. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Well, you know, growing up as a parent here in Arizona, I had to stay on the weight bench and lift weights with four daughters for... Uh, my tradition was every young man they brought to the front door, I wanted a strong enough grip that I could sh- w- make his face wince at the handshake. So he always knew that's my girl, and you, this is just a small taste of what's coming your way should anything you ever do cause my little girl any pain or agony. Always and now, brought tears to their eyes. Now, now I'm going to have to keep lifting weights and staying in shape. Because the first fist fight Romy and I are going to get into <laughs> is when he walks in the house saying, Dad, I need your keys. You know what? You're going to have to do a lot more lift weights because I've started taking karate because oh, no! Remy loves it so much, I've taken it so I can defend myself in 15 years when he's in tournaments. <laughs> so you better do a lot more in working out. But uh, we, we won't do that, T-Dab. We'll just, we'll, by that time, we'll, we'll have like a little padded uh cart path on the Whitman plantation you can just go around in circles there and you go. put All a little right. governor on it and just let you go in circles and very good <laughs> we'll have little fruit stands where you can stop by lemonade from landry well, I'll, I'll, there you go <laughs> some beef well, jerky from remy and perfect, just, perfect. own little happy world there you go folks we've been talking this past hour of living independently in a designed facility and we're going to bring in some experts in the following hour about living at home and independent living for those of you that define it by staying in your current home. We're bringing experts in this next hour to talk about that dimension of independent living. Again, Mrs. Donna Taylor, thank you so much for coming in. Scott Apple, thanks for setting this all up. We really appreciate it.